for my son. Have you seen my dad? Then you're looking for the girl, right? Her best friend ah! is a giant man-eating monster. I, I quite like, I just started. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I got into it. <laughs> my fault. I was paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Court Killers, the show about watching the stuff you want, when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, I'm Brian Brushwood. And more importantly, uh, sounded to me like it's a guy looking for a son, a dad looking for a son, a mm -hmm. son looking for a dad, mm -hmm. uh, a girl mm -hmm. who's looking for something, girl and a for. monster who's looking for himself. That's right. Oh, yeah. And the friends we make along the way. Uh, and what it's did in we the, just see? <laughs> and it's in the MonsterVerse. That was a trailer for Netflix's <gasps> upcoming adult animated series, Skull Island. That's right, King Kong's Skull Island, but not Kong, colon, Skull Island, which is a movie. This is, <laughs> uh, this is in the MonsterVerse. Uh, a bunch of people get stuck on an island. There are monsters. Uh, that's all you really need to know. That's really it. People are lost and people get found. Also, it's from anim from Powerhouse Studios, which is the people who did Castlevania uh, and, and a bunch of the other uh, recent animation. Uh, what would you call that style of animation? Uh, I, I, I would say like like faux anime is yeah, the way like I think about it. It's similar Western to like uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it yeah. looks like it's animated on the threes, which gives you higher definition uh, every third, third frame, I think. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't that, no, that, that was traffic on the threes. Uh, I, I don't think that animation was quite on the threes, but oh, I don't know. It's, it looks it is like very, it. very nicely detailed. Uh, so that's coming to Netflix June 22nd. It's a series, too. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is a rich universe, Tom. Uh, I like the idea of, okay, here's what I deeply hope. The fact that it's called Skull Island means mm -hmm. that Kong is a very brief force of nature if and when he ever shows up ever, and everything else is about, like, what about the uh, lesser houses in in the Game of Thrones of Skull Island beneath Kong? That would be really fun to explore. Yeah, yeah. That, and, and if you're doing a series, you got time to explore that and come up with some cool lore. Yeah, I, I, I'm into that. Um, Rich Universe uh, is my old wrestling name. Let's move on to the primary target. It's not fair, Tom, because I don't get to go back. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> On May 23rd, Netflix announced details of its new account sharing policy, a.k.a. password crackdown. And a lot of you told us this is going to backfire. People are going to cancel. I'm going to cancel. All my friends are going to cancel. They're going to lose accounts. Well, independent streaming analytics company Antenna thought, Let's find out how many people cancel. Let's do the measurements. Antenna estimates Netflix has more new subscribers between May 25th and May 28th, the first four days of the policy, than in any other four-day period since they started tracking subscriptions, which admittedly was only a few years ago, back in 2019, but still. Uh, definitely did not reduce the subscriptions. Uh, in fact, had quite the opposite effect, Brian. This just in, Tom, Brian's response unavailable because he's no longer on Twitter. He's on Mastodon. Uh, come <laughs> find me. First of all, I'm going to post on Twitter that you could come find me on Mast. Oh, wait, no, we're, just, we're staying at Twitter. Okay, all right, we're staying at Twitter. All I've right. made all of my uh, notes available on Hive. <laughs> my, mine are on Vine, Google+. I'm the king of the failed platforms. <laughs> uh, no, I... 
I I said uh, early on, the first time Netflix even hinted at this, that a lot of people will say they are going to cancel, and then a lot less people will actually cancel. And a lot of people will say they're not going to pay the extra money to keep their account, but a lot of people will pay to keep the extra account because there are a lot more people out there uninvested in commenting about this who maybe forgot they were even on someone else's account, right? Uh, and realize like, oh yeah, I've been meaning to pay for this myself. Uh, and that has played out in the United States. Now it's different for different markets. There are other markets where the password crackdown has had a negative effect, or at least a small negative effect. Netflix feels in those cases like that's temporary, uh, but definitely in the US, it boosted subscriptions. So uh, th this fits what I expected, which is there are a lot more people willing to tell you on the internet that they're not going to stand for it than there are actual people who won't stand. So let me try to have it both ways here. First, I want to cheer for you. Here's my cheering for your victory lap, Tom. Uh, you're 100% right. Uh, even when people loudly shout that they're not going to subscribe for a thing, they even in that moment, tactically, game theory-wise, it makes sense that they would actually know that they are going to subscribe for it, but they're not going to make it easy. They're not going to get, you know, mowed over by somebody. Um, yeah, sure. Also, I want to I want to acknowledge JSC three fifteen saying I just don't find anything worth keeping my subscription when it comes to Netflix, and I think I think people get confused about that. There's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'm just not watching anything on Netflix, so I, I'm canceled. Versus, I'm taking a principled stand against password crackdowns. Uh, Netflix is in way more danger of having people go. Why am I paying for this? Because I haven't been watching things. Than than they are of get someone getting morally outraged at password crackdowns. Although it doesn't hurt when you release a new season of I Think You Should Leave, which all of a sudden makes me wonder <laughs> whether or not that's the reason we have 16-minute-long episodes of that show, is they're all like, we need a new season. We need a reason for people to not give up their Those Netflix. Those episodes have always been that length, though, haven't they? Uh, I, I thought they were a little bit longer, but I could be wrong. Maybe. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, okay, so now let me take the other side. Um, everybody who's rolling their eyes at Netflix uh, yes, congratulations, Netflix. You did it. Those cake crumbs of all of the pieces of cake that everyone had been eating that had been <laughs> falling in front of you for 15 years, 20 years, Forgot however those long crumbs it's been. were even there. Yeah. yeah, finally did it. You leaned over and you scooped them all up. Congratulations. You're going to have a very impressive quarter for your shareholders. What's next? What you got? Yeah. What, what's your next trick? Well, what are you going to do? That's a really good question in the U.S., right? There, there's still lots of, of room for growth in, in international markets. And I guess that's really the only answer they can give to shareholders is, okay, we did it. We, we, we cracked it down on all the passwords. Uh, here's how many people we have. Now, can you please reward us for growth in Taiwan and South Korea instead of punishing us for being very successful and saturated in the U.S.? Well, and uh, as as I understand the markets, and keep in mind, I eat fire or ate fire for a living. I don't even do it anymore. Uh, but the uh, <laughs> keep in uh, mind, I don't even eat fire for a living I, anymore. Uh, my full time job is to not be bothered to get <laughs> off the couch to so much as eat some fire. <laughs> so I think I'm an expert on markets right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but as I understand it, investors want to see growth, and I don't see what growth is left. Like we're now we're now scooping up. Oh my God, look at, oh, dirty old Netflix there. Oh, you can see its butt crack. It's leaned over. It's scooping up cake crumbs off the floor. Gross. Oh, Netflix, what are you doing to yourself? Like what's left after this?
Yeah. So, so outside of international, let's leave that aside, right? Uh, because there is plenty of room for growth international, but they'll run into the same problem at some point there. Yeah. Let's say uh, domestic it's, for, for it's sake of video discussion. gaming. The video games is their future growth strategy. Uh, I assume that's what Netflix will say. And it's a longer term one. Uh, we've still got a, a several years before that gets rolling. But that is the thing that I see, which is uh, we are going to create a video game service. Uh, right now it's included with Netflix, but just like streaming used to be included with the DVDs, we'll eventually make it valuable enough that we can split it off and charge people separately. That That is the area for domestic U.S. growth. I'm, I'm reading a, an older business book, and I, but I hadn't heard this, for whatever reason, I hadn't heard this analogy. Have you ever heard about the blue ocean versus red ocean analogy when it comes to business uh, I don't development? Think so. Explain that. Yeah. So a, a, a blue ocean is endless possibilities. You have no competition. Mm -hmm. You're in a blue ocean. A red ocean is red because it's filled with all the blood of everybody backstabbing and killing each other. And basically, it's a metaphor for inefficient versus efficient markets. So Netflix had a blue ocean. They were the only yeah. game in town for streaming when it at the scale that they were aiming to do. They had a blue ocean. But to move from a blue ocean into not just a red ocean of video gaming, but the reddest of all oceans using the most primitive of hardware, a television uh, CPU. Uh, oh, but that, they, they're not using it. They're, they're not using a television CPU. Sorry, sorry. They're, that's uh, that's right. They're streaming. Uh, which, they're which well, no, they're doing mobile games. Uh, yeah, they're doing they're, mobile and PC downloadable games. So an even redder with the, ocean. With, <laughs> with the option for streaming, but they, they're being cagey about that part of it. If they were to go into streaming, which I suspect they will, then they're in a less red, a pinkish ocean, right? Because you have Microsoft, NVIDIA, and a few others in that ocean, but it is more akin to where streaming was when Netflix started, when there was Hulu and AOL and a few others in the, in the water, but not a lot. Uh, but they're not even to the point where they're doing the streaming yet. They're, they're still doing mobile. Yes. So uh, all of which is to say, from this old former fire eater, now couch sitters perspective, it looks an awful lot like the pitches on paper. Yeah, we did it for streaming video. We'll just do it for streaming games. I don't see what the problem is. Uh, one was they had no competition. The other is they have not only massive competition, but the corpses of a thousand iterations that came before them. And uh, I am I am not bullish on Netflix right now. And they're they're buying game designers and studios. This, so they're spending money and making a promise to move from a blue ocean to a very red ocean. Yeah. When they got into streaming, they licensed TV shows. So it's quite quite a different operation. Uh, I don't know. I guess there could be an argument now that I'm thinking about it that they are going to license the video games. They're letting Microsoft do all the work of pioneering that part of it uh, th through the trials and travails of their antitrust lawsuit over acquiring Activision Blizzard. And then they can launch a streaming game system right alongside, but also have exclusive titles. I don't know. Mm. It is unclear to me, though. It is a it's a muddy ocean. It might I, be a muddy red ocean. Uh, last, last note is if there's one thing I've learned as platform under platform uh, collapsed underneath me, it's that it's very difficult to get people to jump from one thing to another thing. So if what you're known for is being the streaming video entertainment thing, then saying, but also trust us with gaming, very hard thing. You're, it's it's a, a lossy 
uh, well, that's why you want to name it something else. So, you know, when people play games, Brian, they just want a quick, uh, quick, uh, uh, you know, on-ramp to the games. Yeah, so like you, you wouldn't you, want to do something so stupid like UPS offering a gaming subscription would be silly, right? right. FedEx offering a, a, a board game company. Silly, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to make a quickster joke is where I was going with that. Oh, okay. No, I'm just teeing I, up our next, think, next segment. I think you were teeing up the next story, but we don't have any money. We can't We can't do the next story yet. Okay, I, 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 did, did none of us pay the money bill? Every, no. every the money month, bill came. Bryce, the money bill the money comes bill? up, and we all, oh, no, did, everybody else did it. Uh, no, mm -hmm. I thought, I was doing the, I was, I, see, I was not, I was doing the not money bill. I was doing the not one. You know what? I, I now that I remember, I remember you saying the word money, but I forgot that you said not money. Yeah, I said I'm it really hard. Oh, the not money was. I money. didn't hear the money. not either. Not money. Yeah. Uh, if and only meanwhile, we had a whole group of other people to support the show. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, oh as if that was possible, then I guess they could go to a site. I don't know. Let's call it Patreon.com/slash/CordKillers, and then they could keep us loud, live, independent for only a dollar twenty-five. You know what? I'm sorry. I didn't think this was coming. It's oh. here. Oh. Sorry, we're charging more. It's a dollar thirty an episode. If you're wow. not giving a dollar thirty an episode, it's messed up. You're messed up. You're ruining uh, uh, the world. Uh, yeah. If you love America, you're ruining America. If you hate America, you're ruining everywhere else except for America. You're making America better. So you decide <laughs> by going to a dollar thirty per episode. Yeah. At Patreon.com/slash Cordkillers, you'll right. get your own it's RSS feed. It's better. The only way to stop what you hate. <laughs> And now, how to watch. It's the only way to stop what you hate. <laughs> the Wall Street Journal sources say that Amazon, not UPS or FedEx, is in talks to start an ad-supported tier for Amazon Prime Video. Uh, to be clear, this wouldn't necessarily be free ad-supported. Amazon already has that. It's called Freebie. Uh, this would most likely be a subsidized version of Amazon Prime Video. Uh, so right now, if you don't get Prime Video through Amazon Prime, which gets you free shipping and all that stuff, uh, you can pay $8.99 a month for just Prime Video. So I guess the idea would there would be an ad-supported ad version of that that was cheaper than $8.99. Although it might decide to put ads on the existing service, keep it $8.99, and ask you to pay extra for an ad-free version. Maybe they'll even do that for the free version that comes with the Prime shipping service. We don't know yet, but uh, along with this, Amazon is also in talks with Warner and Paramount about offering their ad-supported versions of Max and Paramount Plus as ad-supported add-ons to the ad-carrying Prime video. Uh, I, I can see where this would happen, Brian, where they want to carry the ad-supported versions of Max and Paramount, and they're like, well, if we're going to support ads through that, then we might as well use ads on the rest of the Prime Video service. How does that work? Yeah, uh, so uh, I, I wanted to kind of toss it out and, and hear from you guys, because we've always talked about how weird it is that this is a packaging and shipping retail former bookstore company that you buy their uh, instant delivery service, and along with that, you get a television network. Um, and But then I thought, like, that's still weird. And then I thought, uh, wait, is it any weirder than Apple saying, buy a computer and you get our uh, television network? And then uh, I, I brought it up to you, Tom, and you were like, is that any weirder than 
watch free content, but every <laughs> so often there'll be a weird fade out and then a random guy will jump out and shout about electronics about his, at his store. Well, it, like, it what's struck the me weirder? that it was, it was a weird proposition to broadcast things. Let, let's even go back to radio. Be like, it's free. We can't make you pay for it. All we can do is make you listen to ads and then hope you heard them and charge people for the privilege. And that still works. Uh, in fact, arguably ad supported internet stuff is better than radio and broadcast TV because you can at least guarantee that it was delivered, right? You can you can know how many times somebody streamed something. Uh, you still might not know if they paid attention. But. Well, and, and by the way, that's one of those things that, as I understand it, that whole skip feature on a YouTube ad, everybody feels like they're the ones getting one over on the ad by, haha, I click skip. No, what you did was you engaged, and now mm -hmm. every single advertiser knows for a fact that you definitely watched the first five seconds of the thing and then clicked, I have watched that, please continue. Yeah, and gave valuable feedback that like, oh, I was not in the proper target market for that. Um, Amazon Prime, I think, could get away with putting ads on Prime Video and saying, hey, you're getting this free as part of your shipping deal. Uh, you want to cancel your shipping deal over that? Well, I guess that's fine. You won't get free two-day shipping anymore. Uh, or you could add on an extra couple dollars a month uh, I did and not get rid even of the ads. consider this, Tom. You have just blown my mind because I was thinking, uh, like, if Amazon Prime, I don't even know what I watch on Amazon Prime because lately I've just been buying everything because they're only two to three bucks a piece. Uh, but, but... I had, of course, that's the move. Of course, that's the move is to dilute the value of this free bonus. It's always been a free bonus because you're paying for the shipping thing. And then yeah. they had the standalone thing. And that was always confusing. I was like, well, who doesn't want the free shipping thing? But uh, maybe somebody who doesn't buy things seven times a week from Amazon. Uh, and there's a precedent for this. This is how Amazon Music kind of works, right? It mm -hmm. used to be I mean, you get Muse, Amazon Music with Amazon Prime, but now you can pay to get Amazon Music unlimited which is yeah. kind of its own upcharge and you get more songs and more streams or whatever there's a, a there's a blueprint for this even within amazon's own ecosystem i think there's, I think a, there's another blue there's another example with grocery delivery which used to be included for free and is now included for free for prime members if you order a certain amount Mm. Oh, oh, that's of course of course they would make it that way um yeah oh. so this this is amazon cutting costs in a way that doesn't immediately push you out the door right so with prime they're like we're not ta even taking anything away all we're doing is adding some ads you want to get rid of those ads you can pay us a little extra money but otherwise we haven't changed a thing you're not even paying any more for it well and that's one of those things where that's the move right is make it confusing and frustrating enough introduce a pain point or Actually, you're not even introducing a pain point. What you're doing is you're revealing the trap door that was there the entire time yeah. and then saying, what do you want to do? You want to think or do you just want to give us five more dollars a month? And I know what my answer would be. <laughs> and, and, and it's brilliant because they can do things. Amazon Photos is another example. Amazon Photos is free with your Prime membership. You start using Amazon Photos. At some point, it'll say, ooh, you've maxed out your free video storage. Want to upload more videos? pay for the extra storage, right? This is just another example of that kind of mentality. So uh, a, a quick, quick example of exactly what you're talking about, Tom. Uh, I needed a stud finder and I couldn't find the stud finder. And I was like, what are the odds? What are the odds that the iPhone could somehow find studs or whatever? And oh, sure yeah. enough, 
there is an app that uses the compass magnetometer or whatever, uh -huh. and it is free and there's in-store pur purchases. I was like, how on earth do you make this work? And so I use it and I go up and down I'm like, son of a gun, it's finding the studs. This is incredible. Wait, oh, oh, it says I can't use it. I have to wait zero seconds. Continue. Okay. All right. Great. All right. Hey, uh -huh. I'm using it. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, it's not working. Says I have to wait 15 seconds uh -huh. before I could pay. Well, let's wait 15 seconds. And then, hey, yeah, I, oh, right. I think I found, but, but you see where this is headed. It's incredible. Like it was always free. Just the trap was I, in a short three minutes, came to rely on it. And then it introduced mm -hmm. the trap door that was there the entire time. Yeah, I, and I'm pretty sure that's that's exactly what's going on with the Amazon Prime Video. I imagine they do get some people paying for it independent of, of the shipping, uh, but it's a way to make the Amazon Prime $150 a year shipping service cost less because you can subsidize it. That's my guess. Anyway, I guess I guess we will find out. Remember, this is all from the Wall Street Journal sources. We have yet to hear from Amazon on that. Let's talk about what to watch in under surveillance. All right, so we all loved, well, okay, most of us loved I Good loved Omens <laughs> on, on Amazon Prime Video, of all places. Uh, it was based on a book by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Uh, the the season was under the tutelage of Neil Gaiman. He, he was a showrunner on it, uh, or, or at least in the room on it, uh, how, however those terms go. But there was only one book. And uh, sadly, Terry Pratchett has passed away. So there is no second book involving Terry Pratchett coming. Uh, so a lot of us might assume, well, that's it. They're not going to try to do it again. They are going to try to do it again. We've talked about it on the show. Gaiman says he's working from conversations and notes that he and Pratchett made when Pratchett was still alive. He is overseeing the second season. He's trying to keep it true to the original spirit. The trailer is now out. For Good Omens, still starring Michael Sheen, David Tennant, and John Hamm, among others, arrives on Amazon July 28th. Brian, how are uh, you feeling? I've been very publicly skeptical of their ability to you know, capture whatever the magic was in the first season of this. Um, I can't speak for whether or not I'll be right or wrong, but I can speak for the messaging that was in the, uh, the trailer that we saw today. Um, it looks like the one way you win by trying to follow up, you know, a, a, a biblical epic is to reduce the stakes massively. And that's mm. what looks like what they've done. It looks like uh, Gabriel's having a midlife crisis and wants to hang out with his, with his bro. And all of a sudden when the stakes become small and it's like a junior angel detective character in there, all of a sudden I'm like, well, this looks adorable, and I'm all the mm -hmm. way in. It, 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 uh, I, I think it can work this way. I have no idea if they'll do it or not, but it certainly looks like that's how they were presenting it in this trailer. Yeah, I, I, I agree that it would be mm, probably a mistake. Maybe nothing's impossible, right? But probably a mistake to try to recapture the epicness of that first book, or first season in this case. Uh, and... I imagine that that's probably one of the things that Pratchett and Gaiman talked about is like, well, if we do follow it up, we can't try to do that again. So what do we do? Oh, we keep it small. We make it 
it kind of looks in this trailer like maybe Gabriel lost his memory. It doesn't know who he is, but it's vague enough that I'm intrigued to find out like, okay, but why did he leave? Is it just a midlife crisis? Is it more than that? Uh, there's a mystery involved and it's a natural reason to force our two characters to have to team up again uh, without making it feel forced. Well, and, and that's one of the things you can win by swinging wildly both to the big world or the small world when it comes to storytelling. For example, there's a certain video game that became an HBO series that I thought was about saving the world, and it turns out it was about saving one person. So maybe mm -hmm. that's what they're doing here is they're going from saving the world to saving one person. And those are equally compelling dramas. To yeah, me. yeah. Uh, Scooper Nova Girl points out that the trailer really doesn't show a lot of the romance uh, that's between Azarafail and... Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like it radiated. Between Michael Sheen and David Tennant's characters. It, it, uh, I, I, it was radiating out of my uh, LED screen. I was going to say, I don't. I think that would have been a mistake, right? Like, let's. we should just assume that that's there and that's, that's going to show up naturally uh, throughout the course of the series. You don't need to sell us on that part of it. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars series Ahsoka starring Rosario Dawson is set to stream on Disney Plus August 23rd. And the trailer is chock full of Star Wars Rebels uh, references, N none of which we didn't know were coming. But they they shown a big spotlight on the fact that uh, Harrison Dula and Sabine and, and others are going to show up. Uh, still room for some surprise appearances. But uh, if like myself... Uh, you are a fan of the later seasons of Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Uh, it looks like there's a lot of potential for satisfying appearances and stories here. But again, Star Wars is, you know, it's Andor, but it's also Boba Fett. So I'm, I'm <laughs> hoping we're, we're more on the Andor side than the Boba Fett. And I, I would be so, so happy, Tom, if all of this was a, a fake out. And the entire series, Ahsoka, was really just a tee up for the new series, Thrawn. That's all I want. Well, and it does, there, there's a hint that that might be the case. There is, right? there is, yeah. Uh, because Thrawn is a huge part of the Rebels series. Uh, Thrawn is, you know, shown, at least we see the, the back of a blue head uh, in this. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Dave Filoni uh, is the one who kind of powered Clone Wars and Rebels and, and is powering the story as well. Uh, I... I definitely am excited to see Sabine. She was my favorite character in Rebels. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see her come alive on the screen. I hope it's one of those situations where I just like the character even more when I see it in live action. Uh, but I'm not going to lie, Brian. You're, you, you definitely identified the greater cause here, which is like teeing us up for Thrawn. Uh, yeah, and maybe, maybe there's enough there that will something will cause me to go back and watch all of Clone Wars. I doubt it. But, but if you give me just more and more Thrawn and it gets a little more Andory, then I'm all the way in. Uh, Netflix also released a new trailer for The Witcher. Uh, first part of season three of The Witcher comes to Netflix June 29th. Part two comes June, July 27th. I assume this is all part one stuff in here. And it's the last season with Henry Cavill as The Witcher uh, before he is replaced uh, for the season after that, assuming they do a season after that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you, I can't remember if, how much into The Witcher you are. Zero. Zero, yeah. Tom. And that's As why a I couldn't fact, remember. Uh, yeah. I, I, I gave this my full attention. And normally what I have to say, because I'm somewhat familiar with the property, I'll say, pretend like I don't know nothing about what this is and lean all the way in and give it a, your full attention. How do you feel about it? In this case, I literally knew nothing about anything. And I'm like, 
okay. Uh, I didn't, I didn't feel much of anything. I felt like, uh, some weird anachronistic out of world references to being uh, like, like, like a joke you would expect to see in the good place or something with up in your business or whatever. And I'm like, all right, I don't know. Is this a funny show? Is this a serious show? A good witch and a bad witch and Henry Cavill. Yeah. 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 I, I like the short stories upon which this is based. Uh, the books upon which this is based. I liked the first season a lot. I liked the second season enough. I am more excited for what's coming in the third season uh, because we're we're kind of powering through to a, a thicker part of the story. Uh, I didn't feel like the trailer really showed me anything that would get me more excited than I already was. It didn't diminish my excitement, but I was surprised that it didn't have more of an effect on me either. I mean, it did neither explain anything nor create tension on things. Uh, But then again, neither did the trailer for I Think You Should Leave Season 3. And that was a fine season. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Who is the the new uh, Witcher? Ambassador Domo is asking. Yes, Liam. I knew it was a Hemsworth. Liam Hemsworth is uh, going to, is on the docket to become the Witcher after Henry Cavill. And I guess when part two comes in July, we will probably get the answer of why that's happening. There'll probably be some in-story uh, teasing towards that, I would think. Some kind of Doctor Who thing. Does he regenerate? I don't know. Uh, let's talk about what we had our eyes on this week. Brian, what have, what have you been watching? So uh, a, a wonderful friend of, of all of our shows here, uh, Jordan Breeding, he started writing for Modern Rogue. Uh, he was one of our earliest writers. And then he noticed that nobody was doing anything with the Cracked.com YouTube channel. And so he invented a character called Dr. Jordan Breeding and did something called uh, uh, Your Brain on Cracked. And he just showed up and just started making stuff. And it became wildly popular, these pop culture critiques in front of a green screen. Uh, And then uh, uh, he's terminated his relationship with them. And now there's a new channel called Dr. Jordan Breeding. Uh, Look it up. But but he, he does these brutal marathon uh, explanations. He, uh, I spent half of my Sunday, Tom, I guess that's yesterday, last time I checked, uh, watching uh, two plus hours of him summarizing every freaking Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 1 movie all in one two-plus-hour video, including all of the online-only shorts, including all of the post-credit scenes, and uh, uh, all the while doing that wonderful, delicate dance of never quite violating the terms of service in how much content he shows of all these things. And uh, there's a theatrical conceit. I think in this case, Loki demands it or he'll take away his budget or something. But, oh my God, I was exhausted watching him summarize every single movie up to the Avengers and then afterwards. I can't imagine, if you want to see this marathon stunt get pulled off, please, please, please check out his stuff. It's really good. That's great. So, and that's his own YouTube channel? Yeah, yeah. Just just search uh, for Dr. Jordan Breeding. And you know he's a doctor because in the URL, he's not even wearing a doctor's outfit. (laughs) That's how you know, because a fake one would would wear the dog. Correct. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. What about you, Tom? Uh, well, uh, my niece uh, was in town. Uh, we took her to her first concert on Saturday. Uh, she's six years old and uh, a delight to hang out with. So, Brian, I watched a lot of Sailor Moon Crystal. 
Uh, oh my gosh, did you watch a lot of reuse of the same animation transformation sequences to save money? No, this is actually a new uh, version that came out in 2016. And from uh, what June was telling me, uh, actually June's mom was explaining this to me, uh, they took the original run of Sailor Moon and condensed the story because that one was like, you know, 20 something plus episodes a season. I don't know how many. This brought it down and like just hit on the important story beats. And each each episode is like encompassing what would have taken maybe five or six episodes to tell uh, previously. So it's pretty tight storytelling and, and pretty modern animation. Uh, and uh, I'll be honest, I was like, oh, I get it. This is the Voltron story uh, told with planets and sailor moons and uh in a different uh in a different way but still compelling i was kind of into it it was pretty fun so are you gonna keep going uh, all on your own no okay yeah it, it, that's one of those things where i was like well that was fun bye <laughs> yeah no I, it's it's one of those things where like i doubt it would be as fun without june sitting there telling me you know what's going on and, and explaining it and, and and engaging with it but it wasn't a chore I was I was not sitting there like okay I'll do I'll do this to entertain you I was like oh yeah no this is a pretty cool story I, I like where this is going with the planets and and the, the the darkness and the people getting possessed and monsters and yeah yeah it was good stuff right on Bryce what should we be on the lookout for hey I got a two pack for you this is a true your own crime pick <laughs> <laughs> on the lookout so uh, a, a few months ago Netflix released two different takes on the same. A real true crime story of a nurse who suspects that her coworker is secretly killing patients. Uh, the story gets dramatized in uh, The Good Nurse. That's the, that's the name of the film. Uh, and then the, it's covered in the documentary Capturing the Killer Nurse. Uh, both films have their strengths. They were released about a month or two apart. And uh, I, I, I watched The Good Nurse first, the dramatization first. Uh, and when Netflix recommended me the documentary immediately after... Um, I didn't watch, I, I couldn't really like sit and watch the whole thing. You know, I couldn't just have the exact same story just kind of strung along when really I just wanted to see how close it was to real life. Uh, but you know what? Good enough to skim through. Uh, and I think if you're in a true crime, uh, there might be something here for both people. I mean, I think this is the first time we've seen something like this where there's the there, dramatization and the documentary at the same time. I oh, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a nice little two pack. There, there's an exact analog and we experienced it live here on Cord Killers. Uh, do you remember when I discovered Jack Black as the Polka King? Uh, and then, and then immediately recommended the documentary about the true life story. And I was like, sure. well, I'm so glad I could see this because clearly it can't be that. Nope. It's exactly that crazy. It's exactly that bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I think that one, one of those wasn't Netflix or there was, there was some time between those two, right? Uh, well, I know that I finished the Polka King on Netflix and it recommended the, the, the man who would be the Polka King or whatever the name <laughs> was <laughs> afterwards. Uh, anyway, so that's uh, those are two films on Netflix, The Good Nurse and Capturing the Killer Nurse. They're originals, so they'll be streaming on Netflix. If you've got something we should be on the look, lookout for, email us, please. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. Thank you. I would like, if you like that two-pack, to just throw in a little uh, little bonus extra. This is something you'll you'll have to buy or rent. Uh, but my friend Bria Grant directed a movie called 12 Hour Shift about a nurse who's trying to uh, mine people for replacement kidneys, comes up short a kidney and has to figure out how to make good on the kidney 
Um, Ooh. you know, and got a hospital full of people I mean, she's trying to do the right thing, I mean, oh but I'm sure she really she, does owe, owe a kidney. I'm sure she believes, so, you know, people who owe organs normally yeah. are really upstanding. I mean, she's got a little bit of a, I mean, also, uh, uh, okay, uh, is it there, point. is it there a bit of a, is it, isn't it like saying somebody needs a mouse cable, not the whole mouse, and then the cable could be anything from a PS2 to USB to a, to a serial. There's some a... creative ways to try to solve this. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> uh, and it's, it, it's a great movie. Uh, go check it out. It's called 12 hour shift. Nice. All right. Uh, you will probably want to watch that on a computer. Because uh, you're going to be uh, uh, well. Uh, first of all, you should. If if you're yeah. not, huh, random. Uh, head on over to doghousesystems.com/slash/rogue. Spell it right: R-O-G-U-E. You'll get a little something special. You'll get an extra uh, 500 gigabyte SSD. You'll be supporting us and the people who have loaned us these incredible systems to run this entire show on. And with all those savings that you get, why don't you uh, why don't you blow it on something for you a little bit? Uh, <laughs> don't call it blowing it. <laughs> oh yeah, no treat treat yourself. Come treat on. Yourself. Head on over yeah. to scamstuff.com. Yeah. I'm going to let you in on a secret. We're getting close. We're about like five days away from finalizing the, the design on our year-long puzzle adventure. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I, I, it's not listed on the store. So you have to go there. You have to go to the search bar, type in the words V-O-X. The words, yes, the letters, letters. V-O-X. And you'll see uh, oh, oh. Vox Tempest oh. early pre-order. Is that a discount? Is uh, that a pre-order yes, discount? Yes. Uh, it, when it comes out, it's <gasps> going to be $165. It's a year-long puzzle adventure. <gasps> it is a puzzle box that when you open it, you're going to get a sci-fi themed premium deck of cards. You're going to get an ingot of, I kid you not, guys, it's not only actual earth minerals, but we are, we are buying meteorites from space so that we can blend them in with these space ingots from a different time. And there's a certain something that I shouldn't say what that will start you on your year-long puzzle adventure. It's really, really great. Uh, just, just go. Scamstuff.com. Do what I box. Scamstuff. That's right. Uh, get it. It's a good box. I took those photos. <laughs> Mining meteorites. This operation is getting sophisticated. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. Front. Come on. Front lines. D don't you change a thing, Bryce. <laughs> An SEC filing by Disney indicates that the company plans to write off 1.5 billion. That's with a B in expenses related to the removal of content like Willow and Marvel's Runaways from its streaming platforms. Disney says in the filing that it is, quote, continuing its review and currently anticipates additional produced content will be removed with a potential for a further $400 million in tax savings. The write-off comes as an impairment charge to adjust the carrying value of these content assets to fair value. Uh, maybe the uh, tax pros in the audience can explain what that means to us. So uh, simple, you however, explained it perfectly. Well, however it, it, it works, it means removing content from streaming in some cases saves you money. Uh, if you perceive uh, that content as an hour or if you list it as an asset, then if you want to say it makes no money, then you have to 
definitely show that it makes no money, which means you have to remove it, which is, is kind of like when um, uh, uh, there's a wonderful breakdown of this on the Contender Kickstarter where they reveal that they overbought contenders and then they came to this gateway moment where they had to decide, well, either we're going to pay thousands of dollars of rent and storage for these or we're going to authorize them to be shredded. Mm-hmm. And the thing that made more sense was to shred thousands of these units. And that's equivalently oh. what they're doing on this so that they could actually show factually uh-huh. that they're taking a loss on it. I, I wonder I wonder if it's something like this. Uh, we spent $10 million on this. As long as it's on Disney+, Plus, there's a chance we'll make the money back. But, but once you remove, remove it. it from Disney+, Plus, we can then say... It was never making money. We're not putting it back. Uh, and so we lost $7 million on it. And we could write that down on our taxes as a loss. That's that's what I suspect. Uh, in an effort to woo back some viewers into India, Disney Plus Hotstar will make the Asia Cup and the ICC Men's Cricket World Cup tournaments later this year available for free to Hotstar mobile users. These are different from the IUPL, which Disney lost the digital rights to last year. That was a lot of letters and words that I assume mean things. Yeah, so basically Disney lost the really, really popular cricket, but it still has some other cricket, and it's going to make that cricket available for free in order to get people to sign up for Hotstar again. This just in, response from the markets, crickets. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, wow. Cricket, I've never cricket. heard a laugh go from genuine to angry so fast. <laughs> well, it went from genuine to like, I was going to make a cricket reference, but I don't know any. Uh, runs? <laughs> bowling? Oh, that was, so that was self-loathing, I heard. Okay. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. uh, Vultures Joseph Adalian and Lane Brown wrote a piece that has the headline, TV's streaming model is broken. It's also not going away. For Hollywood, figuring that out will be a horror show. Um, I read the piece. It appears to lament the passing of the money printing cable TV carriage model, where everybody paid for every channel, whether they watched it or not. And then that money got split up amongst the people who write and produce the shows, among others. Uh, So there's also this quote. We've invited all these fancy artists into the medium and they look at it like art, not a job. Uh, so I think that is saying like, oh, we got all these prestige shows from, you know, HBO and stuff. Uh, and they're, they're looking at this, like making good shows instead of like cranking out stuff that's going to bring royalties now that we have a different model. Uh, there's some legitimate discussion of how the flat fee model of streaming doesn't compensate writers and producers for hits, uh, and hits don't translate into revenue for platforms. So when you had a hit and it got watched more and could be sold into syndication more, people who had part of the back end, like writers, made more money. Uh, Netflix just pays a flat fee. Like, we're going to pay you this much, whether it's a hit or not. And if it's a hit, you don't get any more money from it because we're just paying to keep it on the platform and we're not going to sell it anywhere else. Uh, in the end, the one solid takeaway from this piece seems to be that peak TV is over that the money has dried up for just throwing money at everybody. Uh, The massive spending by multiple platforms to stake out their ground in the battle is done. And as we've been saying on the show, the consolidation is beginning. Yeah, I... I think I was more sympathetic to this article than you were, Tom, and I encourage everybody to read it because it's it's very long and and they they did the legwork. They called all the people and they got all the quotes. Uh, the part that was fascinating to me, because in many ways it's kind of old news, it's things we've been protect, uh, predicting for a very long time, but 
there, when I read the quotes, there's this moment of like Hollywood introspection and you can almost, the way I read it, uh, write us at cordkillers at gmail.com with your take. But I read it as though a bunch of Hollywood types were like, wait a minute, maybe there is no structured ladder to success. And maybe it's not a zero sum game. And maybe it's not the way we were pitched it since we were kids. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, yes, that's what we've been saying. That's so on correct. the one hand, it's annoying that they're finally realizing it. But I found it utterly fascinating to watch people kind of gently from within the Hollywood architectures say those things. Yeah, there, there were some good things in here about like, now that the business model is changing, you know, how do we make sure it works and, and motivates people to make good stuff and, and all of that. There was a lot of it, especially in the early half of the article that was like, uh, we used to have a great model where uh, consumers had no choice and we could just rake in rents off of it. And I was like, <laughs> I bet, yeah, that like, was a really bad like model. For you, that was a very good model. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get why you wanted that model to stay around, but I don't think that's the problem that we're losing that model. Right. Meanwhile, Apple TV OS uh, 17 will include native support for VPNs, something Android-based boxes like The Shield and Fire TV have already had. This would mean that the VPN providers could provide apps for Apple TV the way they do with iPhones and Macs. Right now, before they introduce this, uh, you would have to do it at the router level, and not all mm -hmm. routers support it. It's a big pain in the butt or whatever. This is huge. And uh, the first thing that it's tempting to think of when you see this is, oh, this is a piracy thing, right? No. What if you are traveling internationally and you've paid for your subscription in the United States, wouldn't it be a shame if you couldn't access your own content that you paid for because you can't effectively tunnel back to your country of origin? I don't know what you're talking about, Brian. That still sounds like a terms of service violation to me. Uh, this is strictly for protecting yourself from a man in the middle attack okay. while watching okay, Apple okay. TV. Uh, wink. <laughs> What? What was that? Oh, oh sorry. Uh, I squeaked. Uh, 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 yeah. Somebody needs to oil these uh, these uh, microphone uh, arms. Yeah, yeah. I, the, your mic arm there just made a weird noise. Hollywood Foreign Press is winding down. It's over. The, the long, weird, who are you and why do you get to decide awards is over. Uh, it has sold the Golden Globes to Dick Clark Productions and holding company Eldridge. Uh, Dick Clark Productions has produced the Golden Globe Awards show for years. They're now part owners of it. The two new owners will create the Golden Globe Foundation for the purpose of both carrying on the awards and continuing some of the charitable operations that the Hollywood Foreign Press Organization did. The next Golden Globes Awards are still expected to take place January 7th, and there is no broadcast partner for it, but NBC, which used to broadcast the Golden Globes, is in talks to broadcast them. So my guess is that will probably get worked out. I guess, the, the question I have, Brian, if you care about this at all, is who gets to vote on them now? Because theoretically in the past, it was the members of the Hollywood foreign press that voted on them. Uh, now that it's the Golden Globes Foundation, who, who gets to be part of that? Uh, uh, you know what? They'll, they'll figure that out internally and then they'll hold up, uh, then society will hold up a mirror to what they think of it. Uh, that's a complicated metaphor. Uh, here's my point. All, <laughs> all awards are simultaneously total BS and all of them are also very, very important. They're BS in that, you know, whatever, the Oscars are a bunch of actors voting for who their favorite actor is. Uh, I'm not invited. That's dumb. 
but society has reflected that we value your opinion so much, we're gonna tune in and watch it, right? Same thing with the Golden Globes and, and, and for each of the different types of categories. The more you research these awards, the more you find out that each one has their own values and flavors and are a re oh, reflection sure. yeah. of different, you know, a People's Choice Award is, is like, oh, whatever, the people, the people like two and a half men. You know, uh, it's it's interesting to me. I, I find all this fascinating. I don't. I'm not as hateful about this as you might think I, I would be. The the thing about award show is people like to see who wins. It's just a natural human thing. Like we like to to see a little like these four movies might be the best. Which one wins? It's it, it's compelling for a lot of humans to watch. To make it work though, you have to have a mythology uh, that says and the people deciding who won. Uh, are real people. It's the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, the people in the industry. Okay, that's who decided. Great. That's the mythology I'll go with. The myth and when I say mythology, that doesn't mean there aren't an actual Academy of Motion Picture Arts and no, Sciences. No, no, but, but you mean the, the myths and legends, the stories that we're going to tell around the campfire the idea for years to in come. your mind yeah. is like, ah, these are the people in the industry. People's choice is like, ah, we the people voted on this, whether it's true or not. Maybe it is true, but uh, there's the SAG Awards, there's the Directors Guild Awards. The mythology of the Hollywood Foreign Press was that all of the international correspondents who covered Hollywood voted. So you'd get a different perspective, right? That's where that's where I'm curious. It's like, what is this new mythology going to be that they build up around it? Uh, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, my guess is they're hiring writers who are currently on strike and not working to decide what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, and and who or or whoever's going to get to be in this foundation? Is it just going to be all the people from the Hollywood Foreign Press Association? I don't know. Uh, will be interesting to watch. Uh, the one thing they'll have to do is try to avoid all the criticisms that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association got over diversity and not having uh, above board voting practices and accusations of bribery and all that stuff. So the, the we'll probably get a little more transparency, at least at the beginning in this one. Let's move on to the dispatches from the front. Steve Lamb writes, good morning, killers. I realize you guys make fun of Miami Vice, probably justified, but in the 80s, it was pretty cool. I would like to recommend an episode back in season two, episode three, Out Where the Buses Don't Run, stars Bruce McGill and David Strathern and a cameo by Little Richard. It introduced Dire Straits Brothers in Arms to me and was well done. Thank you. Is is that one that we watched? I, I went back through our Pretty archives. Pretty sure we did. No, uh, I, did I thought it was too, but I couldn't find any references to it. But, I definitely um, remember Little Richard being in an episode we it, watched. It, it, it is a good moment for us to remind everyone that uh, when we uh, when we rib Miami Vice, understand it comes from a place of deep affection. We understand that it's good, but as a result, because it's good the the flaws or the cracks or the things that have changed over the last 30 something years really stand out especially in the upscaled film or whatever so please understand that all of our miami vice talk comes from a place of deep appreciation for what Absolutely. they did at the time and also a fascination for what has changed and and i think one thing that steve might be reacting to is when we talk about modern shows i am surrounded uh on the internet by people telling me reasons to hate every single thing I watch. So when we talk about them on the show, I tend to want to say like, look, a bunch of people are saying this about this show, but here's another perspective. When we're talking about Miami Vice, 
I feel a lot freer to go like, yeah, that was really dumb because no one else is talking about Miami Vice. So I don't feel like I have to counter an overwhelming public narrative about it, uh, which may make it feel like I'm poking fun at Miami Vice when, uh, like Brian said, I, I have deep respect for it. And I really try to give it credit when it's like, man, that was a timeless episode. That was hard to pull off. Yeah, and and keep in mind, if we indulge in a little bit of Schadenfreude, uh, we're on purpose doing it in in a padded room that feels very safe. Because yeah. I don't I don't think we're ruining anything for anyone. Uh, Josh is a head brewer, and uh, if for that reason alone, he's worth getting to know. Thank you, Josh, for writing in. Uh, Josh says, "Hey there, Brian, Tom, and Bryce. Uh, we are just about to the stage." where we have to make the dreaded decision to couple ourselves with DirecTV or Dish for the 29 TVs we have. I assume this is probably in a, in a bar associated with the brewery. Yes. I've been following this show for many years, and I've heard some brief conversation about the commercial side of the streaming world. I've tried to contact all the usual suspects who stream sports ball, and no one wants to talk to me about commercial options. Please help me not to have DirecTV. I would prefer they just have the service die rather than prolonging its long, slow death march another several years. Josh. Uh, well, Josh, uh, one thing I would say uh, as far as the long, slow death is the commercial side of DirecTV is incredibly vibrant. AT&T still owns most of DirecTV, even though they spun it out as, an, uh, as a separate company. I don't think the commercial side will die. It's it's the successfulest. It's the successfulest. It's the most successful part of DirecTV. And even if DirecTV went belly up, someone would acquire that commercial part of the service. So if your only concern is like, I don't want to sign up for this thing and have it die, uh, then don't let that be the thing that stops you. If, however, you're like, I just don't like dealing with DirecTV or, you know, I don't like the fact that it's satellite dishes and the wind and rain can affect it, uh, that's perfectly valid. I know that local cable companies will also supply commercial service. I do not know of any streaming commercial service. All the streaming companies license out their sports to companies like DirecTV for this sort of thing. Uh, so you might contact your local cable company, but but Brian, I think we should probably throw it open to the experts in the audience because maybe somebody else has some other options for Josh. Yeah, cordkillers at gmail.com if anybody has any suggestions. But let me throw a counter proposal, uh, both at, at you, Tom, and to Josh. Um, counter proposal, it could be that staying as expensive and as stupid and as frustrating as your experience with DirecTV may be, uh, what are the ways the signal is going to go out? They're going to go out because of weather. That, that's a real thing, of course. And they're going to go out because DirecTV screwed up. In both of those cases, nobody will blame you. If you have some other service, that, whether it's you know, over-the-air internet uh, through a 5G thing or an LTE or whatever, or uh, you know, Spectrum or what have you, then all of a sudden, uh, when it goes out, Kind of what you're paying extra for with DirecTV is a straw man to blame if something goes bad. And that may in and of itself be worth it. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. I guess that would that would count for cable, too, uh, if you went went that that way, because you could say, ah, it's Spectrum or or whoever. Right, but, but unlike uh, unlike cable, when DirecTV goes goes out, they make sure to show their logo on a screensaver saying our fault. <laughs> We'll be back are... shortly. Yep, yep. Please hang in there. Yeah. Yep. No, good, good point. 
Uh, well, folks, please uh, send those along. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. Our website is cordkillers.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, Tom Merritt, what's going yes. on? I'm just hanging out here watching this scroll go by. Uh, what are you doing? Trying to set up a bit where we thank our beautiful, beautiful patrons, all these wonderful names. I'm sorry, names. I'm too distracted looking at these beautiful, beautiful patron names going by. Look at that one. I mean, if you wanted to be one of these people, patreon.com slash cordkillers would be the place to go. I mean, they're, yeah. scra- they're, they're scratching our itch, like, because we're I addicted. I think as long as it's consensual, like, we're, we're addicted to their money. And love. Might as well face it. Well, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>